Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Around five minutes into the second half of Ireland's match against South Africa at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, just after Johnny Sexton kicked the penalty to touch from which Ireland ended up scoring their opening try, a supporter rose to his feet, pint of Guinness raised high to the sky as if to say, well, Jerry Thorny, what do you think of that? <laughs> Immediately after our second try, another fan went one better by raising his very full pint of Guinness in his right hand. Clearly, I think this, I just think this punter might have mm. gone before, you know, since halftime. It looked like one that was gotten in early, early stage of second. Anyway, he was lifting his phone high in the sky with his left hand, with a pint in his right, as if to say, in your face, Simon Hick, <laughs> if I want to drink a pint and scroll through my social media and cheer a well-worked team try, finished by Mac Hansen in the corner all at the same time, well, that's what I'm bloody well going to do. <laughs> Welcome to Monday Second Captain's Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, Owen, how are you? What a day out that is. Mm. F- find you a guy that can do both at once, on Murph, welcome back from holidays. Oh, thank you Just very much. Just in time man. to talk about your specialist subject. Swilling pints at Ugh. Irish sporting events. That is <laughs> an outrageous remark. How da- how very dare you, yeah, Indeed, indeed. I mean, I, sure, I, I, I may swill a couple beforehand and I swill a few afterwards, but during a sporting event, on no, it's not very often you'd actually find me do that. Well, that's because you're not allowed to bring pints to the seats in Croke Park, <laughs> as pointed out last yeah. week. No, funny enough, I... You're from the country and you don't drive. Oh, what was the Uh, line Mainly rural. I read that. (laughs) I did read that. The GFAD is mainly rural. Uh, Yeah, the people... Part of the IRFU's continuing outreach program. The Uh, the people who uh, go to Croke Park are mainly rural who are driving, so said Patrick Power, the commercial (laughs) officer for the IRFU (laughs) to the Irish Times last week. God, if only we... Something from a focus group. Yeah, if only we could get a few dubs into Croke Park, you know. The the GFAD forever based their entire ticketing scheme on if only we could convince even just like 2,000 dubs to get to Crow Park that'll really help the old financial coffers of the association <laughs> that's what the GA needs Murph a strong Dublin yeah exactly listen who are you telling on yeah. you know it's been what now two years 
I don't know the drought by the time the, the next Ireland final is made it'll be three years Jerry has been writing some good stuff on the match day atmosphere the lack thereof at Lansdowne Road coinciding with one of our best ever runs of form among the issues are fans going to and from their seats all game with loads of pints Simon said last week put the beers down put your phone away support the boys in green mm. hence my intro to today's show we've tweeted images of the two gents in question who reserve the right to take their pints to their seats <laughs> and in one case they will fight for the right to party at all times. we had a suggestion last week that rather than people leaving their seats to get the beer the beer should come to them yes in the way it happens in Bring the beer mountain to Muhammad. Ben Nugent says, I'd like to throw a reason not to introduce a beer delivery service into the mix a few years ago. A few weeks ago, indeed. I went to Roma versus Betis in the Europa League in the Stadio Olimpico. There were young lads going around offering bottles of beer and slices of pizza. I I did not avail of the service, but 20 minutes prior to kickoff, the four empty seats next to me were filled by, to my dismay, four Irish lads who were away from there. Why is it like we're Irish people and we get Uh, really sad when we meet other Irish people on holidays? The last people you want to see. (laughs) They were away from their wives and kids for a few days. The guy sitting next to me copped that to his unbridled joy, you can get beer and pizza delivered directly to your seat. He then proceeded to have a slice of beer and a pizza delivered directly to his seat at 10 minute intervals. If you've ever seen the episode of The Simpsons with Frank Grimes where Homer swallows food like a duck instead of chewing it, you might be able to picture this scene unfolding. Pizza followed by pine, followed by a cigarette as you could also smoke. I was covered in crumbs, beer and smoke despite asking... But he can't be covered in smoke. Yeah, you can, yeah. Covered yeah. in ash. Covered I in actually ash. had a great time uh, at this game. I don't care what this emailer says. Despite asking him to calm... Oh, he asked him to calm down. Well, he did actually confront this supporter in question, but it became so intolerable. I left at half time to go to a bar. I'd rather get out of my seat 84 times. It's related to mm. Jerry's supporter who he met who had to get out 73 times, whatever. Then be subjected to this. Please, God, don't introduce beer delivery. That's from Ben. Anyway, it was a good atmosphere on Saturday, one way or the other. Mm. Whether that was through any of the interventions of the RFU or just the fact that we were playing against a really good team and mm. played really well and scored a couple of tries. Yeah. And, uh, and it was one of those games where every moment counts. It felt like every rook was under duress, every pass, that it could be seven points either end. It was a real tightrope walk. And, you know, there's some games where it kind of you play out your patterns or there's a lot of kicking up in the air and teams sort of feeling each other out. It was just from the start, Jesus, they really want to win this. Yeah. But also, there isn't a, you just can't make a mistake, Ireland, or there's trouble. Jerry's coming into studio to chat along with Shane Horgan. Razzy Rasmus has done another video, you guys. Mm-hmm. Just back after his six month ban from the last one. <laughs> uh, he's, don't worry, this one's only 42 seconds long. Suitably cowed after his six Suitably month ban. Suitably cowed, yeah. He's, only, he's reduced them now to just 42 second snippets. Tough test match. Thanks for all the support. Also, thanks to the Ireland supporters at the Aviva. You definitely Aww. understand the game, and it's great to play in an atmosphere like yesterday. Surely was a game of big battles, but small margins with a finger <laughs> pointing down to the forward pass and the build up to the try. <laughs> Ireland scored. What he fails to note in the video, what he didn't, in fairness, he didn't mention it about the forward pass. So, Maybe he was talking about the small margins being that in the same video he posts a link to, you see quite clearly at the start of it, his captain, Sia Khaleesi, neck rolled on Sheehan. Yeah. A, a, a yellow slash red offence, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I presume that's not why he actually posted it. He wanted people to see yeah. before pass. And he's doing that with the ref, the Georgian ref, who's, um, you know, doesn't have a huge status in the game yet. So it's even easier to put pressure on somebody like that. But it's just so strange that he doesn't just send that to World Rugby or the referee panel or whatever it is as opposed to out on social media and it's hilarious that he misses the shit. It shows you just how one idea is or just how little he's seeing of the other team 
or his team getting away with things as well. That you see, yeah, that, that something has happened. There's yeah. been a pretty bad infringement by them in the same in the same passage of play that he tweeted linked to. Listen, this is Razi Rasmus. We knew the South Africans were going to be physical. Let's be honest. Must look like giants here. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah, yeah, big big man. <laughs> and as you say, side it's timeless that one. They certainly were in the first big big men. They were big men. Uh, watching it, uh, watching it back on. I was travelling on Saturday, but watching it back, just Peter O'Mahony's. Uh, incisive commentary just kept replaying. Can I correct you on on something? That clip came up a few weeks ago and you said that I, I love the way these things just Mm, ferment in my head. Of course. You said that I asked Peter O'Mahony in that interview about how big the South Africans were. But no, it was about him as a child seeing them walking around. It wasn't him being impressed by their bulk as a Lions captain. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. It was them walking around around near his house years ago and him seeing these big, big men. If the legend becomes fact, print the legend. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as I'm concerned, that's Peter Romani's post-match analysis after an Ireland-South Africa test match. Johnny Sexton was talking on Virgin afterwards about coping with the physical side of it. Yeah, we fronted up. We, we always front up. Um, it's just the intricacies of our game that can be exposed sometimes when we don't quite get it right. And, uh, you know, I suppose we didn't play at our best, but sometimes they don't let you and uh, they make things very difficult for you. Um, you know, they're in our World Cup pool, so we're going to meet again in, in 12 months' time and uh, in a neutral venue. We obviously had an amazing crowd here today, which, which always helps. Um, so neutral venue next time, it'll be one hell of a game I think the way Sexton just at the start of that answer mm. the way he framed it is quite smart it's not as though well maybe Razzie Rasmus did call us soft or whatever but in general it's not that we've got a, a bunch of wimps on the team who aren't physically capable of standing up for themselves against the powerful teams it's that when you're playing those teams it's very hard to continue to play your rugby mm. obviously you do have to to front up physically all that kind of stuff but as he says, the problem is often then also trying to play your rugby around that. So there's yeah. different ways of feeding the pressure from a, a physical team. And we didn't seem yeah. to fall into either of those traps the week. Yeah, I love that we, obviously in the first half, particularly in the first 20 minutes, we did all the physical stuff, um, kind of get our heads down and just worked really hard and put our bodies on the line. But then the normal pattern then is you get into that sort of battle mode. This happens in all sports, happens in GA and soccer as well. You're sort of under pressure, you're defending, defending, defending. It's very hard to switch then into Mm. attack. And the the Hanson try sort of epitomizes that into a few seconds that that was battling in in a rook. I know it bounced out through Sheehan's foot. That was a league and there was also Ford passing it. But just in terms of Ireland's psychology that, so we're battling in in a physical battle there. But then that Doris immediately switches to sort of um, a smart, skillful, but also back in his own skill, back in his own creativity, back in his teammates to be there with him, that there's an opportunity here. It's not just, I'll pick up the ball and, and we go into a tackle. And the whole team switched on. And it's either Murray Kinstar or Rory O'Connor tweeted that um, Gibson Park immediately spotted. So he's in the backfield and he's immediately pointing to the players outside him. He's immediately seeing that there might be a gap in midfield. And then everybody times it from there on. Um, they time their passes perfectly. They run perfectly. Gibson Park obviously takes on a gap up through midfield. But it's that switch from battle mode to skillful and calm and composed and seeing where the space H- is. Hansen was, was talking afterwards. Ireland very rarely do the two. Hansen was talking afterwards about and we've, there's a couple of Hanson quotes actually I'll, mm. I'll put one to the guys but another one was that he talked about how I think that I've got a, he says I've got a license to roam and try and fit in wherever I can mm. even though I've got 11 or 14 on my back talks about how you're encouraged to express yourself play your game that's exactly what you want to hear when you're running up the pitch which we, yeah. we, we know that is because you can see that's the case but mm. it's always it's always nice to have your thoughts confirmed by the people actually playing yeah and well a roaming role in rugby is extremely rare anyway 
And then for an Ireland team uh, to do it against, I still think that Shane Horgan thinks France are the best defence in the world. I think France technically have the best defence in the world and maybe the best structures. But South Africa have the biggest, hardest, most aggressive defence. And that poses to me as many problems. So that if we still stick with that, and Hansen found yards at a time when Ireland really were struggling to do anything. And I thought himself, McCloskey actually, the very first time he got the ball, Balakoon, they didn't get much ball, but when they did get it, McCloskey, there was a man right on him and he managed to just get his feet out of the way and made like 10 yards, 10 like vital yards. And the same with Hansen, he kept cutting in field. I know he made one mistake at one point, but it's just when you need your skillful, fast guys to be composed and still back themselves, uh, even when the Fords are in such a battle, it was really impressive. And... I don't know. I just feel like that goes along with the confidence that Farrell and Cat give the team. There's one thing to give a license to Rome. There's another thing to have the confidence and give your players the confidence to do it. Murph, don't worry. Despite the front row gaining parity in the scrum mm-hmm. and the, the second row doing all the donkey work and the halfback combination being excellent. And just tell me, on, just tell me. Of course, it was a back row. Uh, player you, of the match. <laughs> you knew I had no, I had no fear. Josh was absolutely Josh no Van der Fleer, Yeah, of course. It, was, it wasn't even between. It was him, Doris. There was no, there were no Omani. There was nobody else in the equation. The, for rugby, that, on the, Irish the, television. the rugby coverage should now do what the Sunday game used to do, which is have like the. The you know the three contenders yeah, yeah, from yeah. out of the match, but it just be the three back rowers every game. So <laughs> and which the back one row replacement? Of, if you have to, put which one of the three have we got? For? <laughs> uh, if we're talking about Ireland trying to overcome psychological baggage around the World Cup, this win has obviously helped towards that. What about Reese McLenahan winning Ireland's first ever World Gymnastics gold to put his Olympic disappointment to bed? McLenahan was quite emotional on the BBC afterwards. He basically couldn't speak. He was just struggling to put his achievement into words. But he's usually a very good talker. That's normally not a problem for him. I'm, I'm confident with a few days to think about it, he will deliver a great interview when he calls into the second captain's studios during the week to have a catch-up with us. Haven't spoken to... A lot's happened in the couple of years since mm. we've last spoken to Reese McLennan, which would have been, well, pre-Olympics. As Mary Hannigan said in the Irish Times today, it's very hard to be humble when you're number one in the world at rugby and gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Secondcaptains.com, five or a month plus VAT if you want to hear that one. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Much better today. Back for Arkey. Change of direction. Stockdale. Now the race is on. The bounce is. 
the switch. Aki, stopped out. It's him and Aaron Smith. He gets the bounce. Still had a bit to do to get. The 80 minutes is up. Arda by 16 to 9. Having to defend. Having to get back on side. Back here for New Zealand. TJ Perinara got us that one. TJ Perinara with the kick. Moves it to Moanga. It's knocked down by Bloody Metallic. The referee has blown the front out of the Ireland has beaten New Zealand at the MEU Stadium. I have seen every single thing I want to see at a rugby match at dear old Lansdowne Road. Bodie Metallic drops it cold. It's over. It's over. Ireland. Ireland defeat the All Blacks for the first time on home soil. World number two knocks off world number one. What a test match! Well, the world's number one team beats the world champions. Shane Horgan, Jerry's already smiling here. Shane Horgan, how are you? Oh, I haven't stopped smiling. <laughs> and the man whose provocative articles stung the Aviva crowd into life at long last, <laughs> Jerry Thorny, how are things? Glad to make my little contribution. Ah, indeed, to Irish rugby. I, I, I do want to talk about that later on, but mm. let's not necessarily start there. I'm going to start with a Mac Hansen quote, Shane. When we're doing our things right, we know there's not a team that can handle what we're doing. So we've just got to keep sticking to our key principles and we'll end up coming out on top. Whoa, I tell you, I was... I, I, it, I mean, that's that's good confidence. Is that the right tone to be striking at this at this stage? I don't know. I'm not sure what the right tone is. They keep on winning. They can strike any tone they want, <laughs> you know. Um, and and clearly there is an um, that that's a product of an ingrained belief in their own ability. And I think that's really important. And do you have to have a bit of swagger? Do you have to have a bit of arrogance? Yeah, probably. Um, does that always mean and translate into into success? And for Ireland, no, it doesn't. Um, but um, I, I think we're all in the same situation, right? The problem is, we've we've won this game. Mm. It's I think it's a very it was an important uh, game for us. I said it last week. I'm very glad they won it. We can go into the way they won it, which I think is mm. important as well and positive. But immediately. I'm, I'm thinking World Cup. Yeah. Everything that's going on now is in relation to the World Cup. Maybe the Six Nations will be slightly different because it's some competition and you want to win that, potential Grand Slam and all that. But everything now, every utterance from the camp, every performance, um, everything that goes on, I'm, you're, you're viewing it in terms of, of a World Cup. So, you know, macro position, is this, is that result good for, you know, our prospects in the World Cup? I think it is. I said last week, if we weren't, if we don't beat South Africa, under these circumstances, when will we beat them? Um, so I think, you know, we, we've ticked that box and I think there's, you know, there's a belief in that. We've also been exposed to that type of super rush defence that we're not, no other team in the world um, shows us. Um, so, but, you know, whatever messaging comes out of the camp, whatever, you know, language that Matt, um, Mac Hansen is using or anybody else, um, I ultimately we don't know until we until we get to that World Cup and we'll find out is you know is that mindset the one that works and finally breaks the the hoodoo. Um, you got to give these guys some credit that what they're doing at the moment is working and has been for a while. So I'm not necessarily one to second guess them. I feel like we probably Ireland need to lose a game at some stage, Jerry. Maybe just to, just to take this thing out of things. That's, but South Africa is probably not the one to lose. That's very funny you should say that because yeah. I had that one conversation with one person last Saturday before the game, and that was Shane Horgan. Yeah. Saying, <laughs> Do we really want to win every game going up to this next World Cup? That's nervy. But then again, 
would really like to, I'd really like them to beat South Africa at home. Oh, and I'd like to beat England and France at home as well. They'd be the most relevant mm. big wins. Then so when, where are we going? You Wales. We'll, we'll take. We'll, look, we'll take a defeat to Wales this one time. Will we? Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll take or originally, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, we, I still want to win the Six Wales Nations. Wales is only winning the Six Nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. I think that. It. It might not have a huge amount of relevance next September when Ireland plays South Africa. That, in terms of Ireland winning, but I think it would have had a huge relevance if Ireland had lost, given what South Africa threw at Ireland. If you'd said before the game that so the Springboks are going to have five line-out malls in the Irish 22 in the first half, mm. that we were going to lose Stuart McCloskey was playing very well, and Jimmy O'Brien was going to have to come in at 13 with Gary Ringwood slipping inside to 12, and then that we were going to lose Tyke for Ireland at half-time. I say, if everybody knew that bit of information before the game, they probably would have thought Ireland are probably going to lose this match. Mm. And the fact that they won shows how much more adaptable this team is, maybe. The Rob Carney point he was making in Virgin Media than four years ago at the World Cup. So you can actually learn lessons while you're winning a match as well. Exactly. That's basically exactly. what we're saying here. And Ireland are not swinging from the roofs. The, the celebrations on the pitch were quite muted. I doubt they were in the dressing room, but on the pitch they were quite muted. And I think that... That will give them confidence that they can deal with this blitz defence. Also knowing that they actually didn't play their best. Like in the first half, they went to the edges. It was like watching a game of roulette. Like South Africans, the line speed was ridiculous. Damien de Allende, Jesse Creel, Johnny being very brave, just offloading at the last minutes and Gary Ringrose through that hole. But once got, Johnny flew through a pass too high, I think it was for Jimmy O'Brien on the edge. Another time, Jimmy O'Brien threw a pass too high for Mac Hansen on the edge. And another time, Johnny floated out a lovely long pass that Robert Balakun could have been a bit flatter on. So they, were, they left chances to get to those edges behind, but they kept trying to play their rugby. And then the two tries, the build-up to the first try, the line-up mall, and the second try especially, was the high point of the game and actually showed that this team has an ability to play off-the-cuff rugby, I think more so than the team of four years ago. And uh, yeah. that was, that was yeah. really pleasing to watch that try again and all the different players that contributed out of position a lock at scrum half a lock on mm. the edge you know Gibson Park second was it the two props combining I just thought it was a superb try Yeah and, and Jerry, what you said there I think is crucial and maybe the most important thing with an eye on the World Cup is Ireland didn't play their best mm-hmm. and they came out on top against the world champions um, this idea of Ireland going into the World Cup and having to deliver throughout the campaign you know, no matter how many games they play, deliver their maximal performance every game is not going to happen. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. It doesn't happen for any team that nope. wins the World Cup nope. because True. it's impossible. So mm-hmm. what you what you have to do is you have to be in a position where you win the games you're expected to win as easily as you can, and that and that means with as, as little little effort, as little stress, probably as little um, uh, injury profile as possible. You then have to win and probably a couple of games in a not dissimilar fashion to what we saw at the weekend, where the opposition are quality. You can't deliver everything that you want in your game plan. You have to grind it down. You have to maybe ride your luck or hold in and hold in, hold in the opportunity for the opportunity to do what you want to do at some period in game to have that get to that purple patch where you're, you know, in touch or you know drawn game or one score behind or one score ahead, you then grasp that purple patch or that mo- the couple of moments that are uh, shown up to you or you exploit a mistake from the opposition and then you win a game like that. And then, you know, the icing on the cake is that you get one of those games where you deliver almost the perfect performance. And, you know, my mind goes back in to the last World Cup was England versus New Zealand. You know, that wasn't far off a perfect performance to them. Now, 
we knew that, or we didn't know, but we found out they couldn't deliver back-to-back uh, perfect performances because, you know, it's very difficult. There's lots of factors in play there, including the emotional energy that's expanded when you deliver a performance that uh, that higher quality. So you have to find this other way to win. And I am actually as almost as buoyed by this type of performance where they did have stuff that didn't go wrong. In the air, they weren't great. They actually, you know, they didn't gather as well as they should. Their offensive kicking game wasn't gay. great. We had a, um, a, um, a goal kick success rate of 60%. That's not good enough. Our tackle rate was 83%, probably less than you'd like. And um, we gave away, was it, nine penalties. Okay, not, 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 or sorry, 10 penalties. Not bad, not bad. But then there was other areas that were good. Like we had 100% um, scrums won on our own feet. That's, that's very important against South Africa. And we had a line out at 92%, which, which is quality as well. So, you know, we, we did enough and we had enough quality elements to our game to win that and, you know, and stay in a position that we could win the game while having definite areas that weren't as, as good as they could be and should be. Shane, how worried were you after sort of 15, 20 minutes when they just were coming at us and we couldn't really get any of our attacking phases going? Um, but also, was there a bit of you thinking, we just need to survive here and if we do, this thing will ease off? I was getting a bit frustrated and I was, I was concerned because I was thinking, you know, what's our, um, how do we counter what South Africa are doing? Because, you know, within that wave after wave in the 22, there's, there's probably, I think I said it on commentary, there's, there's a couple of ways that you can stop that or well, there's a couple of ways that that ends. One is in a try for South Africa. One is a penalty conceded and that's three points. Uh, the other is, is a turnover from South Africa getting a little bit loose. Um, um, or there, and then the final way is almost just attritionally just holding in there and holding in until a ball gets knocked on or, or you know, South Africa sort of run out of steam. And, the, you know, the, in many ways, the first two options are, are the much more likely against a South African team. So I thought we gave them too much time in our 22. When we exited, we didn't um, exit you know, deep enough. We didn't, um, and we let them back into our area you know, too quickly. And then you give them that time and, and ultimately you know, think they should score. They didn't. South Africa didn't take as many opportunities in our 22 as they should. They had some poor kicking as well themselves. And I was surprised at that. But I did say to, to, to Jamie, I don't know, it must have been whatever is it, 20 minutes in, and I'm looking at the scoreboard. I said, is this still 3-3? You know, is it, is it, how is this still the case? And that then gave me hope. Um, I'm not sure if I expected the game to sort of unfold as it did. But, um, uh, you know, in the second half, where I thought Ireland were you know, much the better side, actually. They're much the better side in the second half. Um, and what, but what really impressed me was that try that, that uh, Jerry spoke to, that um, the, the the quality of that, it, this whole performance reminded me a little bit of an All Blacks, you know, performance in, in some ways. Um, in that, you know, Ireland had less possession, less territory than the opposition, but actually, in the couple of moments of real quality, the line-out mall being one, um, and then that try, you thought, okay, this is you know, this is the difference between the sides, and the fact that the first three players. Um, of in possession for that try were all forwards and offloading the ball really well, and there was a beautiful you know, sort of pass slash offload from from uh, Tyke uh, Byrne a little bit further out, and then just the 
the backs doing really well. And, and I know Jimmy O'Brien, sort of, it just seemed like a standard pass, but he drew and, and, and passed really well under a lot of pressure. You know, that, was the, that was the standout difference. There was a moment that Ireland could deliver quality, and they did. Jerry, we've had tough teams in the past, Ireland, and we've had skillful teams in the past. I'm not sure I've, I've ever seen us marry the two against such a brilliant opposition before. You're talking about Ireland, yeah. Irish teams of the past. Yeah. It? yeah, that they can. Yeah. And sometimes it's all wrapped up in one player. Like, say, Tyke Byrne, he's tough, tough, tough when he needs to be, and then he's skillful when he needs to be. And it's like it's a, obviously a physical um, transformation, but it's also like a psychological one of being like unbelievably brutal and just getting your head down and working hard. And then it's, no, I need to be subtle and calm and composed here. Yep, yep, yep. I see where you're coming from entirely. And for me, another player really epitomizes that is Gary Ringbos. Yeah. Like, if you look at him, the build-up to that try we're talking about, I don't, I don't think he touches the ball once, but he, he has a material effect on two rocks that are, that are absolutely vital. He gets down and dirty, rolls his sleeves up and contributes to the cause. And then, you know, he started the game at 13, did well, then he comes into 12 and does really well there. And then in that passage of play, in the lead-up to the mall try, he stepped in as out-half, effectively. And there's actually his footwork over the gain line that gets Franco Muster offside. So he, I think, is a great amalgam of that kind of unstinting teamwork punching physically above his weight and also playing like the class player he is. Yeah, I'd say that's I'd say that that's one of the most bravest wins in many ways, not just in heroic defence and physicality. We've seen that before from Irish teams, but in the way they went kept trying to play their brand of rugby yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think there is an amalgam of the two that, there. That Caelan Doris at the start of the Hanson try went, not only am I, I sort of plucking up a ball here, I've I'm been aware. under immense pressure. Yeah. I'm aware, aware and then I'm going to back my skills and also back my teammates yep. to be in the right place yep. for this. Yep, yep. And... Uh, then you think of the build-up, that, that was an astonishing piece of play by Doris, who again always has a class game. So it's, He's such an athlete. To have the presence of mind to keep that ball in play to Josh, and know Josh van der Fleer was there and hit him with an offload off the deck before he tackled into touch was in many ways the key moment of that brilliant try. And you think of the way that they reacted to Sexton being down, being treated for injury for maybe five, six phases and different players, particularly Ringrose, also Hansen, others going in as first receiver. And that beautiful little no look behind the back pass for Gibson Park where Mac Hansen goes through the hole. That was really, that's, that's what, that, this is a wonderful heads up rugby team to watch. They're, they're good to watch as well as the fact they were. I honestly don't think we give that enough credit. I no. know we, we talk about World Cups and mm. are we building and, and what's job is Andy Farrell doing? Just how brilliant they are to watch. Like how many Irish teams in any sport have been both really successful, number one in the world and look amazing. Like we're the most entertaining team probably in the moment in the world. Possibly. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And the, against Fiji next Saturday should be quite a feast of rugby yeah. by comparison. Polar opposite to last Saturday. Pity it's on at 1pm on a Saturday. But yeah, I do think this team is more capable of reacting to stuff on the pitch and the way a match is going than a lot of Irish teams in the past. I, think, I, 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 I am wary of, of overdoing it though. Like, you know, and I don't want to no, no, really, really get the, the Schmidt here and stuff like that. But I think after a, a big win, we, we sometimes do have a habit of doing this though. So like, yeah, maybe no, overdoing no, no, it. We're going to like, get to that. Like we, we, actually, did, we, did but we need to talk first about how well they've done and we are going to get to the yeah. fact that the tone from Sexton and Farrell and the players and Jerry's even yeah. touched on already very muted, very calm, very like, this is the start of something. Yeah. This is absolutely... I think, we have had very entertaining wins in the past. I mean, Ireland, England at, at Twickenham for the Grand Slam, for example, sure, was as entertaining yes. and, yes, and yes. as smart and as abrasive as any of that as but well. The, I just sometimes... A lot of that was... I'm just trying to temper things here. I feel Simon's going to start predicting a World Cup. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. No, chat. no. Look, I'm just saying, let's celebrate what we have at the yeah. moment, which is a very successful team that's just won... 10 matches in a row at home and if they win the next two of the series will equal the all-time winning mm. record at home by an Irish side. I think they've won 
14 of their last 16 or 15 of the last 17. They're number one in the world. They've won a series away to the All Blacks. And you know that if they had lost last Saturday, what the narrative would be now, oh, they can't stand up to the physical bullies. They'll yeah. always be bullied. And that's it. The, 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 the All Black series was a false stunt. Ah, typical Ireland. They're peaking in between World Cups. The, the whole night, you can imagine what the narrative would have been. So I'm Plus glad they, I'm glad they won with loads of caveats that they can improve upon as well. Yeah. And uh, sorry, Jane, and I'll it, put this to you, is that, you know, it, there's the La Rochelle, there's Saracens, there's losing to England, there's losing to these bigger teams France, from Leinster and Ireland, France, France, France over the last few years. And if you do another one of those, then in the heads of the likes of James Ryan, who constantly gets doubted, for example, in these performances, they go, well, maybe we can't actually do it against the big teams. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if that necessarily, you um is front of mind, but is there something residual, residual there in the in the subconscious? I, I'm not sure. Maybe it is, but you know, let's remove it. You know, and this this does help. If it is there, it, it will be removed. Yeah, I and I I get what you're saying, Owen, as well. And and there is, there is the other thought that creeped into my head is that where where is this South African side actually, and uh, in terms of of their development and what are they like in comparison to what they were, um, you know, three years ago with the World Cup and even against uh, against the Lions. But maybe not the teams are figuring them out, but what that South Africa do and what um, South Africa tried to do against Ireland is intimidate them in, in two ways. There's a physical intimidation that is um, difficult to live up to. to so the, the, the level of one outrunners they bring with massive, massive carriers, one after another, after another, you know, low risk, uh, low mistake, very attritional, um, a perfect kicking game generally, which was not the case. And then they kicked at 40%. So just have that in the back of our mind as well. Um, but the the sort of line speed that they we saw them deliver in, in many ways effectively in the, in the first half and for periods in the second half was they're trying to intimidate you out of playing an attacking, ambitious game. And it took Ireland a little while to get to grips with that, which is not unsurprising because they don't come across that line speed maybe ever and um but what i was really encouraged by was the fact that they stayed with it and started making decisions when there there was a little bit more fragmentation uh, fragmentation in the line that you know the the uh, wingers were coming a little f- too far in they weren't numbering off on the right men there was too big a gap between the defenders. So there was genuine elbows there. And there's always a little bit of fatigue. It's, people aren't operating in quite the same way in the second half. But Ireland were canny enough to you know, start taking those elbows, those little chinks in the line, or identify a little hold the pass a little bit and throw a better ball over the top instead of the really, you know, we saw that the, Jerry mentioned it earlier, that just a, it was just sort of like fecked over the top and, and, and hoped uh, that someone would pick it up. Um, so... I know that side of things was very encouraging for Ireland, but you know, is that South Africa? You know, are teams more aware of that defence? Yes, they are. Is it? You know, will they improve and will they refine that by the World Cup? I think that they will. And then the, we know you deal with a unique pressure in the World Cup that that type of defence is very effective against because, you know, no matter what you want to say, and yes, there was some pressure in that game um, and Ireland probably had more pressure to deliver a performance at home than a South African team, but it's nothing in comparison to the kind of pressure and anxiety that comes at a World Cup. Um, so how do Ireland deal with it and can they deal with it? That's, that test is still to be found because I do think um, South Africa will deliver that and more um, at World Cup time. One thing I loved about the match 
is that in the build-up to it, both head coaches were asked, oh, will you be keeping your powder dry ahead of the World Cup? And they didn't keep their powder dry, either of them. Mm-hmm. They both threw their best game at each other. And it's going to give them loads to pour over in the video between now and Paris in September. But I love the fact that, OK, we're viewing everything in the prism of the World Cup, but we should enjoy and celebrate a great day and a great win between that lived up to its billing. You know, world number one against world champions. It might be the most titanic struggle of the whole November window. And uh, it just should be acknowledged as a great win in that respect. But like, yeah, with all the caveats that Shane talks about, for sure, you'd wonder if Damien Williamson will ever play number 10. Well, this is the big box. thing, right? And I know, I know we're talking about like, South Africa need to yeah. add certain layers to their game. So, but then they, they bring in this more running out half, yeah. this threat, and he was a, just a, he had a shocker, really. Yeah, the shocker, he was wasn't his kicking no. all around, yeah. all of it, n- the, nothing The missed penalty to touch, the, yeah. the shank three-pointer in front of the post. So like, like you know. Pollard doesn't make those mistakes. Kel- yeah. Pollard doesn't miss that conversion that Colby missed. And the difference in the team when they brought on Willie LaRue was transformative. Now, admittedly, there were two scores down by then, mm. so they know no other option. But they showed they actually can play rugby and play with width. And, you know, they got a couple of good scores, particularly the, the one Etzebeth was ridiculous. Yeah, How yeah. good was he? Oh, that offload is so good for a oh. man. He, oh. He's playing the best rugby of his life still. <laughs> yeah. and he, I think he made 18 tackles. Yeah. And you know that one when he was hauled back? Oh, after yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. He'd have gone the length, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, got, a, he's he's got just, gas once he gets oh, going as well. He was yeah. outstanding. Arguably the best player in the pitch. But So I do think... That it's 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 very relevant in terms of the World Cup, but it's also relevant in the here and now. And you know, it's just it's just it was a really great I, day at the I do Stadium. Think th- I do think they're a nightmare to have in a pool, though. I know we don't absolutely have to beat them, but just the but, idea but of those collisions, the injuries, the, it has echoes of France. It has echoes yeah. of France in 2015 in the yeah. Millennium Stadium or mm. in Cardiff. Like Ireland won that bruising final pool game to, to claim the tool, but they, they lost. They lost their five best players, arguably. You know what I mean? And you don't want to, you don't want carnage like that mm-hmm. after a World Cup meeting. Either. I, I, Is it the I, second meeting? I think it's second or third. I think it's third. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And also, yeah, the reason we don't have to necessarily win is we could you don't know if you want to actually win that pool or not you might end up playing France or New Zealand it depends what happens in their pool it's, 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 yeah. the World Cup's another but then again you thing. can't take it as a fait accompli that Ireland are definitely going to win their other matches uh, that's true yeah, Scotland. Yeah. yeah 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 sorry sorry to our yeah. Scottish listeners there um, we, we, um, we're going to them later um, Shane you want to come in you know, just in that context or relevant to that conversation is I thought the bench did really well yeah. <laughs> as well um, um, I know Conor Murray started um, Jefferson Gibson Park came on didn't have a perfect performance because I thought it was kicking was a little bit off but yeah. other elements of his games the stuff he's good at he was very very good at Rob Herring came in at a tricky time and um, you know there was two core you know line out um, throws line out throw Shane was right brilliant. at the end there was brilliant. monstrous pressure on monsters monstrous you know and, and he figured out he had to float it in between two South African pods into Jack Coleman's like, arm it was brilliant it, it was really good. I was like, how, you know, that probably should go to two, you know, under any circumstances. Mm. But like, I think he was, they were thinking there was too much pressure at two. So he challenged himself, the team challenged themselves and, you know, caught a perfect, you know, you know almost an easy catch that like put Ireland in a really good position. So that was really good. Um, Time Finley to cut Beelham. Finley Beelham. Ah, yeah. Time he to cut a on. bit of slack, Scrum. isn't it? Yep. Scrum was very solid. Now, did listen, he, did he not... get lucky? Did he get lucky in a couple? Well, he did. I think the the the, the first one, one, yeah, the first one was lucky. But you know, the, I thought after that, he was showing a good picture to the referee. It didn't look as if they were getting absolutely screwed, and yeah. that's almost enough. Those optics are enough, and those optics are important for World Cup time as well. It's you know yeah. these things. You know, if if that scrum Ireland, if Ireland still win, but Ireland scrum gets monstered in that last twenty minutes. 
that is in the head of every coach, mm-hmm. every um, referee around the world. I don't care what you say. It just is. Um, you know, listen, his, his, he's still a bit of work to do in the carrying because our, our, our props have set a new standard for, you know, um, you know, holding the inside defenders and passing the ball. So he's a bit to do there. But, you know, that, you know, how he delivered on that was really good. Jack Conan coming in at, uh, um, for Oman, you know, again, seamless and, and, and positive. Jimmy O'Brien. Wow. Listen, yep. hats off, yep. mate. Like, that is a horrible ask. A horrible ask. To first. I know you were keen in your first cap, but yeah. and you want to get out in the pitch. But do you want to get out under those circumstances? Yeah. I, I thought it's it's huge. They've got you know big carriers. Is Ireland are very, as we know, sort of um, um, formative in the way that they attack as well. So it's not like a lot of you know do your own thing. It's it's very process driven and, and systematic. He had to fit into that position, the position that he's not massively comfortable with. Yeah. His skill level is really high. He got in with I think three really really crucial kicks, and that you know, left foot was very positive for Ireland. You know what a performance uh, from him. You know, you know everybody who was asked to deliver delivered, um, and and you know that's not uh, you know, Ireland have a little bit more depth as well. Uh, you know they are missing a couple, and there's also a couple of guys that were underdone that haven't played a lot of rugby. So um, that is another you know big positive uh, uh, from from Ireland, and you know I think you know we need to have a sort of bit of a check ourselves as well in the sort of commentary. Sometimes you think. You know, we've got you know big players who are going well on the pitch, and we go, oh, you know, what what's this move being made for? It's being made because coaches have a trust in the squad, and they have probably a deeper knowledge of those players and what's going on. And we can't, you can't, any longer, you know, win consistently win high level test matches without having a. A, uh, a bench that performs except, and except out certainly, they still don't trust Joey 77 and, minutes well and I think Josh, maybe Joey's Luke not injured. I think I think that's and I'm listen Joey is under pressure right he's under pressure and I don't know what the selection will be next week I feel as if they've lost a little bit of faith there I think they've lost a little bit of faith and I think they were looking for uh, they're looking for another solution I think the emerging um, Ireland tour to South Africa was a big part of that, a uh, big part of that was to get tens with game time. And I think what they were looking, I think they were looking at Frawley after the summer. Frawley was injured. He didn't get to do that. He had, um, you know, he had a sort of a relatively average game in a very, very poor performance overall uh, for the A team uh, the night before. But I think the, I think Ireland are looking for a different alternative to sex and the 10 at the moment. I think Joey Carby will start against Fiji, to be honest. Yeah. I think he will. I, I, I think he will as well, uh, but in different circumstances, I'm not, I'm not sure. And he needs to actually deliver a performance because it's been a long time since he has for Ireland. What about Razzy Erasmus? Uh, Jerry, I saw he put another video out. <laughs> You're hanging your head already. Uh, you know, just mentioning, just, just pointing out it was yeah. a game of big battles and small margins with a video accompanying the tweet. Another video showing um, what it was quite possibly a forward pass in the build-up to the try. Uh, there was also what seemed a very clear neck roll by his captain, Sia Khaleesi, in the same clip that he sent on, which maybe he didn't, he didn't notice. It's funny it, how it, he it, never notices anything. Sufficient, just, yeah. well, this Their happened favorite. in the Lions tour, like yeah. in the videos he was showing, there was literally there other South infringements. Africans were doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, What's yeah. the common denominator here? South Africa lost both times mm. and it's all the injustices against the Springboks. It's almost as if, in Razzie's eyes, the Springboks, because they're world champions, have just a divine right to beat the Lions and a divine right to beat Ireland. I'm, I think it's pathetic, really. Like, do, I mean, do you not enjoy it? Andrew Trimble was on last week saying he quite likes all the Razzie kind of stuff. Yeah. 
yeah, to some degree, he's captivating. I went to the press conference last week. You can ask him lots of questions. I even asked him, do you still think Ireland are soft? And he kind of more or less said, yeah, they were then, they're not now, more or less. <laughs> they were technically a very good team, but a little soft. So he, he stood by his comments. He said, I think his opening answer was, yeah, I thought I might get asked that. Uh, he yeah, agrees yeah, with Johnny Sexton, so. Hmm? He agrees with Johnny Sexton, so, who yeah. said a couple of years ago we would have crumbled. Yes, that's true. And they might well have done. Mm. Might well have done. But, um, so, yeah, I, I think Brazzy, uh, well, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give it too much more oxygen than it deserves. No, there was the Colby. The global, yeah. the, the global conspiracy against uh, the Springboks continues. Yeah. Yeah. The world yeah. rugby, we uh, see read... their minions at work again, uh, influencing the referees around the world to yeah. um, stop uh, South Africa achieving the success that, that, that they might otherwise, you know. Can you imagine what they would achieve beyond the World Cup victory and the Lions Tour <laughs> victory if, if the, everybody wasn't against Well, them? the referee in the TMO obviously didn't get the memo, I think, when they judged that Colby, Colby. spear but, tackle to only be a yellow you, card. Surely that had to we around, did a no? piece in the Irish Times about the South African media reaction and all the perceived injustices against South Africa on the day by the referees. The Colbe yellow card that could have been read was not mentioned mm. anywhere. Mm. Like, yeah. you look back in the video, you can find things that went against both sides. Yes, Johnny Sexton's inside pass to Mac Hansen was clearly forward. Ireland got away with one there. But, like, Etzebeth knocked on at the line-out before half-time. None of the officials spotted it. It should have been a scrum Ireland. And one I really thought went was completely wrong. Shane, if you freeze frame the last penalty in injury time of the first half against Ireland, the Colby knocks over to make it 6-all. I freeze framed it and I cannot for the life of me see one Irish player offside. It's a perfect straight line behind the hindmost foot and interestingly it was called by Matthew Raynell but no number was given as to who the offside. There was no offside. It was actually a very bad call. The, the Colby one but, was, I thought, the Colby one, the, the referee said that it, it's a yellow card. He landed on his back is one of the points that yep. was being made here, yep. which he he landed on his back eventually after first landing on his hand and his and elbow head. and his head yeah. and his neck. Yeah. And then eventually lands on his back. So just factually, the was, way that was discussed between himself force. and It wasn't one of these force. where you, you yeah. land him carefully. There was an attempt to push him towards the ground. i got to f- confess, I feel a little bit hypocritical about this. The girl made a very good point to me in Lansdowne Clubhouse afterwards. Yes, should he have got a red card, but you're saying you're glad he didn't. Yeah, I am actually, because of... If he got a red card, the whole win and the whole occasion, the whole day would have been devalued, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. If we're talking about protecting players, yeah, I think you have to. You have to. I'm not sure. If the rules are red, red card. You didn't I, think I, so, I thought no? yellow was just about right, just because of the force. Um, uh, you know, the force into the ground, and there was sort of back and then head. So I, I kind of felt that I would have been. I would have felt maybe a bit of an injustice. I don't think there was player. back and then head, though. That's what I'm saying. The head, the head hit the ground before the back hit the ground, and yeah. the, head, I mean, the head might hit the ground a bit harder if he didn't get his hand and his elbow down there first as well. I thought that's it. I thought. Left in a very vulnerable position. Yeah, I also wonder. It wasn't smart by by Colby, but you know, I I think what this conversation comes to that rugby is is a is an in um, perfect game in terms of refereeing, and um, yes, there is different areas of even. Um, you know, different readings of or interpretations of the laws. There's also so much going on in rugby games that you know coaches. I'm sorry, the referees may miss it, and we may all and we can all, especially with you know massive backroom teams that all these nations have at the moment, can you know pinpoint you know um, decisions that were incorrect against uh, your um, team. Right, that can happen, but. We, as you know, the rugby community, have to understand that that is actually that you know, the level of imperfection is part of what rugby is. And I don't, I really can't stand Razzy doing this. And I've kind of lost. No, it's so petulant for him. You know, he's he's this man of incredible stature, like incredible charisma. He's one of the leading lights in world rugby. He's a um, 
outstanding career. Um, you win, you winner of the World Cup. You turned it around for South Africa, even more remarkably, turning that around for South Africa in that you know couple of years before the World Cup, winning a Lions series. And I, I just don't think it 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 shows him in, in a very good light at all. And and I don't know why. I, I do know why he would do it. Um, Which is the pressure pressure referees in future yes, matches. No, exactly. it worked. It and worked, against, yep. Af- against the Lions, it worked. The, 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 there was a marked change in the way the referee um, referees um, refereed the last two tests. They were intimidated. Petrified they were. They were. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were petrified. They were overly cautious. You know, all the time they were taking to make every decision. So it worked in there uh, to their advantage. And he is doing similar now. He has literally not learned or not, not that he's learned. He probably has learned from uh, what went on. But the fact that he, he received the ban, it hasn't made any impact on him. And, you know, you know that kind of faux well done, you know, this um, tweeting. Or, um, of, well done to the Irish know, fans, yeah. Yeah, I love the Irish fans. Close, close calls. But look at these, you know. And, oh, I'm just throwing it out there. It's embarrassing. It's like, you know, come on. Would you have a bit more about yourself? You know, have... Have that also almost have the sort of dignity that your office holds, you know, that the position that you hold in world rugby, you know, th- this is not the really should be going down, but it seems he's, um, you know, unwilling not to. And, and this is his modus operandi now. And it's, by the way, it's not going to change, is it? It's not going to change. One other thing I just want to go back to on the game, if that's okay, Jerry. And it struck me that our defensive mall was absolutely brilliant Jeez, against, yeah. the be- against the best mall in the world. Yeah. I don't think there's any debate no. about that. And, there's so many games where malls are almost just automatic tries for, for teams like Saracens or South Africa. And you watch them, they get a five metre line out and you can almost chalk up the seven points. When that doesn't happen to a team like South Africa, and Paul O'Connell, I think, is getting most of the credit here, maybe all the credit, along with James Ryan and the rest of them. But that if you can stop a team like South Africa, if your defensive mall is that good, it takes away one of their weapons, but also their kind of psychological thing of we get the penalty, we kick to the corner, we get the try, almost like that's the way it works for us because they don't have incision, let's be honest. They don't know how to put their centres through holes. They don't know how to use their amazing wingers really besides like high kicks and knockdowns. They don't know how to put people into space as well as France or Ireland or New Zealand. So when you stop that, man, it's a psychological blow to them. Yes, it takes away an energy source for them because the whole foundation stones of their wins are based on bullying the opposition at scrum and or mall time. And it was extraordinary to see the first happen once and then a second time, then a third time, a fourth time. Ireland not contesting, just formed this perfect shield and immovable. It was like it was like the boxer scrummaging against the wall. Extraordinary performance. And I think it really was, above all else, actually, the foundation stones for the victory. Because if those malls start creeping backwards and the South Africans score a try off them, it's a completely different match. And as I said at the very start, if you'd been said beforehand that Ireland or that South Africa were going to have five penalties into the Irish twenty two to set up malls, and the first four were going to be almost held immovable, and then the the pressure on Elizabeth at the front helps mm. to steal the last the one. The speed that the Irish, they, a few they didn't contest, the speed at which they hit the guy who just yes. landed. Yeah. It's not just form a block. They got the timing one speed. once. I think uh, Bealham or someone of the props, or was a Porter got penalised for with further out. Yeah, for dragging it down. Yeah, yeah. He actually went in on on the on the jumper before he landed, and yes. they just got the time. But you're right, they got it's milliseconds. They, stuff you've got to get right. Yeah. Obviously, the technical detail and all of that, and the tra- and the work in the training ground with Paul O'Connell is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. But the timing of those were all perfect. And then, of course, if you'd said beforehand 
that South Africa were going to have four line-up malls in the Irish 22 not score off one of them and Ireland were going to get one and score <laughs> off it. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have believed it was possible. Well, yeah. after that try, I think Van der Fleer was the only person of the 50,000 that wrote thought that, it was a try. I wrote that very thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, if you watch it again, and it reminded me of the time, nobody thought that was a try. Yeah, I, I, I thought one or two of his teammates did. They, they, they yeah. quite, or else they were quite convinced that the ones who were really close So maybe it was planned because... Could have been. A couple of the teammates it just looked really so convinced. naive. It's like, yeah. obviously don't roll towards the, the touchline, you know? No, and it was, but it seemed to have been a deliberate tactic yeah. because if you notice in the in the in the coach's box uh, Simon Easterby just gives Paul O'Connell a pat on the back as if I, I don't know maybe it, so I, maybe it was yeah, yeah. Planned, yeah, yeah. I, still, I still laugh at that O'Driscoll try against France Shane it was you, very like it the, the one where there was never a try and he gave it the most unconvincing yeah yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Lads, yeah. <laughs> there was definitely a few I saw Finley Beelan was at the front and he was like you know, arms in the air going you can't know whether this is a try or not <laughs> there's not a chance um, but uh, you know you've, you're right to highlight those um uh, the ability to stop the uh, the, the rolling mall and, and it was off every line out I think uh, almost um, from South Africa so you know maybe they will have a little bit more um, you know when it comes to the World Cup time but um, there was again a real bravery um, in I think it was late in that um, second half when, when Ryan went up at two um, and stole the ball um, which was you know a very very pressurised environment and and um, you know, it, it was there was a there's an element of risk involved in that, and it did remind me very much of Paul O'Connell, you know, and and both for Ireland, but also on, for Munster. So many times where the opposition, you think it's you know it's it's late in the game or late in the half, and they're in a very good position, you know, you know five meters out, everybody's thinking team stay down we've got to defend we've got to really stay on the ground and make sure that we don't get that rolling let that rolling ball steamroll us and next thing he goes up and nicks the ball and um, I thought that was you know another very impressive and important element of what Ireland were doing Jerry, what did you think of the match day atmosphere? Ah the match day atmosphere I thought um, the crowd were a little slow to get into it because again the music is doing virtually right up till kick off and there's very little encouragement for the crowd to get involved before kick off and then they're just expected to and then, of course, when there were any interludes, we have this new tactic now of playing music, which was pretty. Uh, it was pretty tedious, pretty irritating. So like, that's sorry, for people not at the game. That was that was during the match. Yep, There's, they pipe in fields of Athen Ryan and so on. Yeah, in in response to this campaign I did last season, you know what I mean. When I wrote a couple of articles, yeah, about it, yeah, yeah, people yeah. got onto the RFU, I'm sure of their own bad as well. But anyway, Kevin Potts took note and he said, "Right, we're going to do something." So I met Porrick Power last week, the yeah, chief commercial yeah. manager, and he said they were going to do three things. Number one, politely request through emails to all ticket holders, social media, and in one announcement during the game, please respect other. Supported the match by not continuing getting up and down, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they were going to put in piped music at interludes and quiet spells during the match, which again is not going to encourage the crowd to sing at all. And a lot of people I know found it irritating. And thirdly, they're going to conduct an, a, a survey um, through a research company called Opinions. They're going to sample size about 1,000 spectators at the next three matches, or sorry, the last one and the next two, and, and use their feedback to make any other amendments, like such as a drink free zone. But they could go much further. They could still improve the MCs and pronounce before the game. They could still encourage the crowd to sing a lot more. They could put on... Um, but sorry, you're saying encourage the crowd to sing, but that's literally what they're trying to do by piping in the music. And in fairness, that, that closing stand that last three minutes or so, was was there was Fields of Atten Rye piped in then? No. So that was fans naturally, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, it was much right, better. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The best two moments... I was wondering how they reacted to... No, to, it was twice yeah, the fact... Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean about the crowd taking a while to get into it. Mm. Like... Shane and you and me and a lot of other purists would love the first half and we thought of riveting. I met spectators afterwards that they thought the first half was boring. You know? Right. Yeah. Some people just want tries. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what they want. They don't... 
And I thought it was actually better for the second half for having Ireland having earned the right to score those. But so what you're saying is, it's, it's basically for better or worse. Fans react to what they're seeing, right? Yep. And it ends up being a really good atmosphere in the second half because Ireland starts scoring amazing tries against yep. the best team in the world, yep. the world champions. So what more can the IRFU do? They've, you're saying that they, they can do a better job of encouraging people to sing, but they're trying to do that by piping music in. Well, so for what, example, what before the game, as in Paris, they put on brilliant pre-match entertainment and then they, um, when they read out the teams and they do it twice, they only give the Christian names of the French players and the surnames are not pronounced unless... The 80,000, and of course the 80,000 French fans then shout out 23 surnames. So they're into it now. They're singing. In our, in the, at the Viva Stadium, we announce the full names. We don't, let, we don't encourage the crowd to, to join in that process. Mm. That would be one way, just to engage them. Um, they could um, definitely, like at the Munster Toulouse match, I wasn't at it, but zombies become quite an anthem now. I was in the pub on Friday night in, in Bald's Bridge and when Zombie played, everybody just sings <laughs> along the words. I think that's become almost a Munster rugby anthem. It yeah. could become well, an a, Irish a rugby anthem. A good song is always a good idea. Yes, you know what I mean? exactly. I don't think playing Brown Eyed Girl midway through the second <laughs> half really does it for me. I mean, really, at a rugby match. Yeah. Was there any Black Eyed Peas? Black Eyed Peas always end up uh, getting played at these things. There wasn't, I don't think. Okay, but well, I wasn't... I wasn't... But by all accounts... There seems to have been less traffic in the aisles and between spectators. It's become a real issue. Like a lot of genuine rugby fans just cannot bear the Aviv experience anymore. Like I wrote a piece about an 80-year-old man who counted the hit stand-up 87 times during the game. I even got texts from people who said they had to stand up over 20 times on Saturday. There still seems to have been a bit of a The, the only, thing, the, the only thing I'd say, Jerry, is that, you, you, and Shane, I'll put this to you, you the IRFU need bums on seats, right? They, they need to cater for both Jerry's yeah. 80 year old supporter and the people who want to are just day trippers just want to get pissed want to have a few pints well, why, okay if, they want to go, the if you want to have a drink during the first or second half have it in the concourse and watch the game on the screen don't yeah. bring it back to your seat although I do remember Alan Quinlan writing a piece about that about 10 years ago yeah. and saying that that was ruining the atmosphere as well. I don't know if that's going to add to the atmosphere having a load of people standing in the concourse yeah, either. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sorry I think your articles have been really interesting and it's kind of got me thinking about it quite a lot um but it's still hard to think of the, sil- the sort of silver bullet solution. Sorry, Shane. I, I think, I think um, we want to keep this idea of, you know, true rugby fans. Is, I, I think that's a nonsense. I don't like it. I don't like that sort of language that's used. Anybody who's going to rugby, you know, everybody can go to every game, you know, and sometimes maybe, you know, you know, tickets are expensive as well. Maybe you can only go to one game a year or maybe that's, you know, for lots of different reasons. Mm. So I think we should be encouraging people, um, you know, um, to come to rugby as often as possible. But if there is once a year that they come to rugby games, then, you know, that's part of, of you know, the broader support of Ireland as well. And I, I don't I would hate anyone to feel, you know, discouraged or uncomfortable um, because they're you know not going to every rugby game you know throughout the season, and um, you know the um, I think there's there's elements um, of the experience that should be respected. The idea of getting up and down for like you know points the whole way through a game is you know fairly obnoxious actually, and and it's not you know it should be discouraged I think, um, but. The, the key thing to atmosphere and the atmosphere in the Aviva was excellent, mm. really as good um, as I'd remembered for, for a long time. It did, th- you know, not to, to back in my day thing, but, um, when but, I back, was but back in I, your day, it's okay. I, back in my day, I did find those autumn um, internationals maybe the, the most atmospheric. Um, yes, I know. I, I, I love them. Yeah. I love them. I love them. There's something about them, the lights are on, and, yep. and it was kind of warm, but you know, but but wintry as well. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was just the, it was, I mean, it's always, you know, it was a big game and, you know, lots of um, investment from the fans. So there's, there's a couple of things, you know, when Ireland plays something against South Africa, 
there is more trepidation, there's more anxiety within the crowd because it's likely to be close. And beating, I don't care what anyone says, probably beating a South Africa or an Australia or a New Zealand in the autumn, it's there's a there's a higher you know there's, there's a greater desire for the fans to do that than maybe beat a you know a Scotland or or a Wales or an Italy in a Six Nations you know I, I maybe you know, I'm doing a disservice there but that's just the perception no, that that's, it's that's mo- it Shane easier like- and that w- this just should be happening there's not the you know sort of trepidation that exists with these types of games that in itself creates an atmosphere you know there's an anxiety of the will we win won't we win that doesn't there's a less of that exists even in the six nations even though there's more importance in some ways with the six nations and then you know a, a genuinely close game and that's what we had with you know some spectacular moments so ultimately atmosphere comes down to the type of performance that we see um with ireland and it's not exclusively just with ireland either sometimes it's better for ireland not to have the perfect performance where you actually beat the team by 30 points crowds don't want that either they want the, they want a close game with big moments uh, and some level of anxiety in case they th- they think they're going to possibly lose the game. Yeah. That's hard to recreate. And you know, from a, maybe from an IRFU perspective or from a coaching perspective, it's not always what you want. Um, but you don't, you know, I don't think you can say if we do X, Y, and Z, this is a sort of we're going to get the kind of atmosphere that we always want. Atmosphere changes on the good day, the opposition, the time of match. And, um, you know, the way the, the, the game pans out. I think that we, even in the Six Nations, like there's been games against England that haven't generated a great atmosphere yeah. in recent Honestly, times. Honestly, the atmosphere the in Scotland really game surprising. last year was, was appalling. And that was, it was uh, as bad as the Italy and game was. And that was close for a while. We weren't playing very well and therefore it was close. But, and and but, 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 but it didn't have the trepidation that Shane talks yeah. about because everyone assumes we're going to be But Ireland were going for a triple crown. Yeah, they no, had a chance of winning the title. And it was the final Saturday and I think it was a five o'clock or thereabouts. Yeah. And it was like a library. Yeah. There was one attempt at the fields of Athen Roy after about 62 minutes. Mm. Like the atmosphere at all three Six Nations games and that's partly because there wasn't a sense of jeopardy. But I think it's got other, there are other factors at work here as well. And I'm not being rugby snobbish when I say true rugby fans but I've been inundated with emails in WhatsApp groups from people directly telling me a lot of people who used to go to the Aviva are members of clubs who you know support their problems whatever else are not going anymore because they just can't abide it just on the, uh, the, the I don't know if this is a compromise but Eamon Finn tweeted us the other day asking why can't pints be rather than everyone going back and forth pints be delivered to the people Absolutely. who want the pints almost yeah. like in baseball whatever. apparently that yeah. happened in the World Cup in 2019 that was the way it was done yeah I, I, that's a very good idea yeah. beer why, like, why can't we have taps beside every seat what <laughs> is why, why do we have to live in this you know what was it, that was solved alright that was solved alright I, I felt like that was problem probably, solved that was probably close to coming in towards the end of the Celtic Tiger days I'd say yeah. we were close but to like, getting that I go to Crow Park matches I've been lucky enough to get to a few All-Ireland finals Yeah. and at half time you, everybody goes out to get a drink but they've already got like a, a hundred pints ready to go or a couple of hundred Mm. It's a very slick service at all the bars at Crow Park. And then you're not allowed to bring your drink back in for the second half. And nobody has to stand up. Everybody watches the game. And you get drink beforehand, half time, and after the game. You think that would work? Because of course they, it would they, work. They, but, they, it won't they, happen. They, but the IRFU, uh, I've forgotten his name, the IRFU guy you spoke to. Boric Power. The, the different thing was they have rural crowds who drive home, which I don't think is, <laughs> I think that's a bit of a broad brush stroke in yes, Park. But yeah, that I was the point he raised that it's a different crowd. Yeah, it's not apples and apples. Yeah, different demographic, and it's a Sunday, so nobody's drinking. You could have fooled me. <laughs> plenty of people drinking at all the finals. And the other, the other idea, ha- that, that won't happen because there's lots of loot and pints, and lots of lads want pints. So it's just it ain't going to happen, and they've also got a twenty-year deal with the um, with the point rights. Yes, exactly. Mm. So I think that's that's not going to happen. Um, one of the other ideas, Paul Carr was like because it was based on the uh, at the experience of studying the three southern hemisphere countries in the rugby championship, 
And very often, as was the case in all three tests in New Zealand, the MC would come on during the game and kind of, come on, all Blacks fans, together. And though you, eh, and I said, Pori, that's because there's no atmosphere at the All Blacks games. Really, yeah. Never they was. are dreadful. Even Never when they're was. doing well. They don't yeah. have a song. They've got All Blacks, All Blacks, All Blacks, a chant, which they do once in a blue moon. And that's it. I remember once, at one point, one of the three tests, writing a note in of a score or something on my computer and there was this big loud cheer and I looked up thought maybe All Blacks had just done something special or scored a try it was a streaker and it probably got the biggest cheer of the night mm. they're just not a very expressive audience the All Blacks fans and they don't they're reserved and they don't have songs so but it's also your, their expectation is that you know there's ne- <laughs> All Blacks don't hardly go into any game where they think yeah they're, they're they're not going to win. It's hard to have you know, a winning percentage. It's, in it's the almost like, you have, to win, like you know, people have too much money. You know, it's like yeah. you know how do you get how do you expect joy if your expectation is that you're going to win every single game, you're going to win the World Cup, you're going to win every Lions series that, that tours. You know, that's your that's your minimum. Um, uh, you know, expectation. That's uh, that's the, the the that's your minimum minimal level. So. You know, whereas I think we've we've gone through a bumpier road, we're we've less wins against you know these um, you know southern southern hemisphere nations. Um, you know, it's definitely affected the um, atmosphere in the Six Nations because of a sustained period of success, which is probably you know about twenty years plus now for Ireland, a relative success in terms of you know. Success against um, um, Italy and, and and Scotland and um, and Wales in particular. You know, if you look at our, our win loss record over that time, it's 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 been you know hugely positive. So, um, you know, when people go to those games, the expectation is that Ireland are going to win, and even if there's a triple crown on the line. The expectation that they're going to win that—that's not what floats people's boat anymore. You know, it's either sort of a grand slam game, or it's um, you know France or England, um, or it's a game that is incredibly tight, um, where you've got jeopardy in it. And um, you know, uh, again, it's 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 hard for that to be created in every single game. It's it's just not. And maybe we do our best to. You know, we do our uh, best to um, promote as much atmosphere as we can, but then savor the fact that you know these games of of massive atmosphere are you know are precious too and and um you know not every game is is one for the ages but we were certainly lucky on saturday that uh, you know anybody who was on that um you know at that match you know there as you said jerry maybe there's a couple and i heard a couple as well saying they were we weren't great in the first half which sort of made me laugh a bit yeah like they that was that I really I thought that atmosphere was fired up it was it was it was excellent the game was excellent you know if you had experience of either going yourself or bringing um, you know a family to that game you'd want to go again off it there's a big box contingent but apart from them I'd say everybody at the game went into the night happy um, even those that went a little bit early and there was a good few of those for it, which I just can't fathom but um, it was never it was. I never thought it was going to be a big problem for South Africa given the billing of the match given Ireland had just won a series against the All Blacks in New Zealand given it was the first match of the season if you think back to last November the atmosphere was belting for the first game also against the All Blacks mm. it always is against the All Blacks and everybody's in their seats 15 minutes before kick off the one and only time because of the hacker. That's why I always say we should keep the hacker. If it gets an Irish crowd seat at 15 minutes before kickoff, it's got something positive going for it. Next Saturday will be very challenging. 1 pm kickoff on a Saturday against Fiji. It's going to feel a little bit like after the Lord Mayor's show. Saturday week will be very interesting. I don't remember an Irish match ever kicking off at 8 pm in the Aviva mm. Stadium against Australia. Yeah. And then the two Six Nations games are going to be England, France, where tickets are going to be like gold dust. So I don't think it's going to be as big a problem this season. Jerry, on a quieter day, we would have asked you about Arsenal being top of the league, but oh, yes. it wasn't a quiet day. So I actually 
<laughs> took two hours out from my workload yesterday. Oh, and yeah. I just started to watch it as I, I'm sticking with this. Not much better, nothing much better, sweeter than beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, to go back yeah, top yeah. Of the table. yeah, nicely done. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Shane. See you, man. Thanks, Cheers. Will. Uh, 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 uh. I lost. Uh, yeah. I got them all losing. They shouldn't even give you now. Wait, I'm all losing. I'm fucked up. Oh, fine shit. <laughs> you get me in 10 minutes, I'll be all right. They should, should, shouldn't even give you now. I better go to go now. Or first, 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 I have some coaching questions. It's too late now. What's that? Are you interviewing me or not? Seriously. Come on. Is there an explanation for this? Is there an explanation for this? You could be my mama and I'll be your boy. Original road boy, never my coy. We know you as a very good dark player. Not playing shit. Fuck, I got the lot losing. But is there an explanation for that, or? No, of course it's not. Of course it's not. How do you prepare for the last match then? These are the questions that you should be asking when we're live. Oh, we're live now. We're not live now. Yeah, we're live. There you are on television. I'm serious. Yeah. Well, I was not told. Sorry? You should have been told. Oh, I thought you know. Well, I don't prepare. I'll prepare the same. If I win, I win. I cannot keep playing like this. This is no good. So at the end of this podcast, Simon, mm. where where are you psychologically? Are you feeling with regards to the World Cup? I love that this is, this is all, <laughs> this is always a question. It's like uh, after every Stephen, man, Kenny, Stephen Kenny's uh, managerial reign, basically. Well, should he get the job? <laughs> or should he hold yeah, on yeah. to the job? Should we sack him? In the exact same way, every yeah. Ireland rugby game is seen through the prism of. Why, why, why do we do this to ourselves? From two years yeah. out, certainly. From the, the last two years on. Yeah. And so I, I'm trying to... Literally, it's been... Since, for the last, I would say, oh, uh, 15 years, yeah. 16 years, This it's been the exact same reaction to every Ireland rugby game. Uh, if the, if we lose, then that's fine. Too we, cocky, not yeah, confident if enough. If we lose, it's fine. We, there, there's, we, we Let's don't lean into being favourites. Let's yeah, not yeah. be favourites. But it's it's when we win that we have the complete crisis of confidence. Why? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, did, we're the only country in the world that has a crisis of confidence when we keep winning. Yeah. Do, 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 did the opponents really care about this game? Look what winning did to us in 2018. Yeah. That's the last thing we want to keep doing. <laughs> We've really screwed so up the World Cup build-up. We've won every game. We should get carried away, is that what I think there's certain factors that we should gain confidence from and know that we can now do the, the mall defence as we discussed there against the very best mall um, the fact that James Ryan and Tyke Byrne who are an extremely light second row not just against South Africa but against France against England against even New Zealand and that they stood up to that that our reserve front row Bielham had a great game that's really encouraging especially with Tyke Furlong having ongoing ankle issues um, but I think honestly it'll ha- have almost no impact I'm trying to override my brain's natural inclination to say to think about the last game and how well we played and how that might impact the World Cup. And I just, I don't think it'll have any, fa- it'll be a factor at all for South Africa in the next World Cup. They'll have a different out half. I think they'll have Lucano Am back. I think they'll grow. They're a better team in a World Cup because they play a pressure game and there's more pressure in a World Cup. I think it, this matters more for Ireland and particularly our front five and our reserve front five that they could match up to that for their self-confidence. But ultimately, so many things are going to happen between now and then. So many injuries. That last little bit of form, how you feel on the day, how you wake up, 
all those little tiny factors way more of a factor than whether you beat South Africa a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And the fact of the matter is that we're playing either France or New Zealand yeah. in the quarterfinals. Yeah. The losers and or the winners and runners up in our group. We should be playing the B team against South Africa in the pool stages because yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. France, New Zealand, Scots, Murph, Jerry reminded me about the Scots. What about the Scots? Are we, are we still talking about those guys? They're still they're, they still playing international rugby. Do they? They're going to be at the World Cup. Are you sure? They're, they're definitely going to be there. Are they? They're in it to win it. Okay, as Phil Neville might say. <laughs> uh, just lastly, any of the other games, probably most interesting. England losing to Argentina. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And Argentina obviously beat New Zealand in New Zealand this year. Uh, Czech has done wonders since he took over. Um, what I love about this is Eddie Jones is the most work obsessive, uh, workaholic. Rings his assistant coaches at four a.m. saying, "I need that video yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on." Billy Vunapola by 8am piss off Eddie um, also you're losing all your games for the last few years so um, but that, the fact that Cheka beat him and Cheka was coaching Lebanon in the Rugby World Cup two days oh in the be- Rugby League yeah he was ru- doing that yeah two days before this game so what would have happened if Lebanon had won that match anyway this well he said he actually was interviewed in the Guardian and he said it's actually quite easy to do both it's just a matter of time management when I'm with um, Argentina I'm coaching them when I'm with Lebanon and coaching them and there was was a Huddersfield was one game and then obviously London was the other yeah. one so not even a massive train journey down but I just love that Cheka just comes down and beats phoned in a bit with yeah, both Be- beats England <laughs> in Twickenham phoned in to beat Eddie Jones at Twickenham oh, absolutely unbelievable yeah, I'd say it's sitting well with Eddie Jones thanks Simon thanks Murph cheers Thank you, Onan. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Murph. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to sign up for daily ad-free podcasts on secondcaptains.com. And the Second Captains podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Creator Network. Network. What those guys said. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those those, those boys. The Second Captains World Service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.